Welcome to Easter term. The sun is coming out, lockdown is easing, and that means season seven of Switchboard is here. I'm Izzy, and I'll be your host this term, joined by a new guest host each week as I keep you in the loop, bringing you Cambridge news and voices wherever you are. This term, at the start of each episode, we're bringing you three headlines we think you should know about. In Cambridge News, findings from the university asymptomatic testing program have shown the program to be effective in limiting transmission among students, reports Varsity. Dr. Nicholas Matheson, a researcher at the Cambridge Institute of Therapeutic Immunology and Infectious Disease, says we've provided real-world evidence that regular voluntary asymptomatic screening can be effective in helping control COVID-19 transmission. That's an important lesson about mass testing in general, not just in universities. In wider COVID news, BBC reports the UK continues to be among those with the highest vaccine vaccination rates globally, behind only the UAE, Israel, Bahrain, and Chile. While this doesn't mean that herd immunity has been reached quite yet, the value in individuals across the country and the world being vaccinated cannot be understated. As the BBC writes, every person who is fully vaccinated makes it harder for the virus to spread. Finally, in science news, a clean tech research program called Mission Innovation will invest $248 million over the next decade to solve the issue of variability by 2030, writes BBC. Variability describes the inconsistency in power output from naturally renewable energy sources caused by natural fluctuations such as changes in wind speeds for wind turbines or cloud cover for solar cells. The program was launched in 2015 in parallel to the Paris Agreement, and members supporting it include the US, UK, EU, and China. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to episode 5 of Switchboard. This week's episode is in honor of Pride Month, which spans all of June and celebrates LGBT plus individuals and communities across the world, including here in Cambridge. This week, I'm joined by Ted, who will guest host the episode as we hear from Cambridge students about their experiences finding queer spaces and communities and the work many of them are doing as LGBT plus officers on their college JCRs. Ted, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, hi Izzy, thanks for having me. Uh, so my name's Ted, uh, I use he, him pronouns, and I'm the LGBTQ plus officer at Selwyn College. Uh, I'm a first year Natsuki uh, and I was elected at the end of last year. Uh, I got into the role because Initially, I think I really wanted to take on the welfare aspect of it all. Uh, but once I started, I realized there's quite a lot of activism work to be done. And, you know, there's a lot of change that I want to make in the college. So I've taken on a lot of that uh, too recently. What does that kind of activism in college look like? So, for example, uh, last November, we realized that the college doesn't, is, the college doesn't fly a trans flag for uh, Trans Day of Remembrance. So I thought I'd get on that and we've been discussing that with the college and uh, working with them to try to make that happen. There's also, I'm trying to do quite a lot to, when new freshers start, to kind of bring queer freshers together because I think it is really important to hit the ground running and get to know people like you quite early on. So you might be aware that there's an LGBT family scheme across the entire uni uh, where new incoming freshers are paired with uh, second and third years. And I'm trying to introduce a similar thing at Selwyn kind of individually, because I think Corpus has a similar system. Uh, and I've also just been in general uh, planning intercollegiate activities. And for LGBT History Month, I did uh, lots of speaker events and attempted to do some social events as well. But that's been a lot more difficult due to the pandemic. So 
Speaking of that, what was your experience like as a fresher coming in? How did you kind of manage to get in touch with um, other queer people? What was that like? Well, I think, especially with our year, it's the main way that we got to know each other is we got to know each other before we even came to Cambridge. So back during the days of, I think it was lockdown one, uh, back when everyone was really loving being on Zoom and not dreading it like we are now. I know that certainly at Selwyn, kind of all the freshers knew each other, you know, an all right amount before we even met each other in person. And it was quite similar with the queer, uh, queer community as well. So I got to know a lot of queer freshers quite early on. In terms of when I actually came to Cambridge, I think we made the best out of a bad situation and we managed to work within the rules that, well, whatever they were at the time and um, get to know each other in person. And, you know, I think it's been a bit of a benefit in some situations. So for example, uh, with speaker events for LGBT History Month, there's no need for a speaker to get a train across the entire country that I've got to pay for anymore. They can just do it over Zoom. And, you know, that was really helpful, I think, in uh, LGBT History Month. Yeah, I think that's kind of interesting because definitely like there's a lot of social elements that you miss out on by having things over Zoom, but also it does a lot of work for connecting people um, who otherwise maybe wouldn't have been connected. So I guess it kind of goes both ways in that sense. Um, looking towards next year, do you and the, the rest of the JCR have things planned as things start to kind of open up more? Uh, I think we're certainly interested in putting on a lot more events for freshers, uh, considering, you know, we didn't really get much of a freshers week. Uh, we got the the talks about fire safety, which were thrilling, but um, but we never really got much social events, uh, many social events. So I think a lot of members, um, myself included, want to do things for our year who never really got a freshers week. But I think we're also going to try and make it quite special for next year's freshers too. And uh, it's going to be interesting because I've never had to organise really an in-person social event for uh, as part of my role. So it's going to be interesting doing that after, well, it would have been eight months on the uh, on the roll, not really knowing what I'm doing with a social event, but we'll see. <laughs> Exciting though. Things, I mean, things are already kind of starting to open and sort of just in time for Pride Month and the theme of this episode. Do you have anything planned um, for the kind of upcoming month? Yeah, so I've been working with uh, many of the LGBT officers at other colleges. So namely, I think it's Cats, Keys, uh, Trinity and Claire. And we're thinking of just organizing kind of a big swap towards the end of term. We're mainly waiting until the end just because of exams. Uh, so for example, mine going until the 21st, which I think is a crime against humanity, but we're trying to avoid kind of all the major exam seasons. So it's difficult to plan around that. Yeah, I can imagine, um, but must be so exciting. I, I mean, I can't wait for kind of those couple of weeks after exams end. Do you want to talk a little bit about why maybe Pride Month is important to you or, or why celebrating it is important kind of in, in general, in the abstract? Personally, in the past, when I was uh, younger, I never really saw the benefit of Pride and I didn't think it was something I was interested in. But over the years, I've learned more about kind of our history and where we came from and all the people that had to suffer for us to get to the point we are now where we enjoy, uh, enjoy kind of, for the most part, almost the same legal protections as heterosexual cis people. So pride for me is a way to honor those people and 
as well, it's an opportunity to recognize that, you know, while I am in a minority, I'm still incredibly privileged because there are people in other countries who are being killed every day for who they are. And even when we do achieve full equality um, in this country, I think it's important that we just carry on that fight until everyone's free, really. Definitely, definitely agree with that. On that note, I'm really excited to have you guest hosting this episode. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward yeah, thanks to for having me. the rest of our interviews. Awesome. First, we heard from Ads, who told us about his first year at Cambridge and his experiences connecting with other queer students, as well as what his role on his college's JCR as LGBT plus officer has been like. So my name's Adnan, or, or I'll go by Ads. Um, I use he and pronouns, and I'm a first year MLA studying French and German at Clare College. So I kind of got involved with the, with the queer scene at Clare quite relatively early on. We had a bunch of freshers chats back in the summer where and our old LGBT officer kind of made a freshers LGBT chat so that we can all get to, get to know each other and kind of foster a sense of community. And from that point on, I kind of thought that I really wanted to get involved in more kind of welfare and liberation things when I actually got um, to Cambridge later on in um, well in Michaelmas and. I think the one thing that kind of wanted that made me want to kind of become an LGBT officer at Clare and just kind of take a welfare role more specifically and in some cases more the sense of liberation is because um, in I think the LGBT scene at Clare and at Cambridge in general to be fair it was quite white dominated there was very much a sense of kind of the white male the white gay privileged male who kind of dominated kind of like I guess like stuff like um, the drugs scene but also just stuff like gay propaganda in general and I kind of thought well I mean it's not really representative of what I am because I kind of thought being queer and not being cis is kind of a universal phenomenon not just something that's kind of constrained to gay priv- privileged white males who kind of have that kind of sense of monopoly so I kind of ran for LGBT officer because I kind of wanted to make that kind of change not just in Claire but also uniwide kind of make that sense that it's okay to be queer and it's okay to be a person of colour and also be a queer, which is why I kind of want to get involved. Yeah. Have Claire offered much kind of institutional support for the kind of things you do? So for example, releasing their own statements or putting on their own events, or have they largely left it up to the student bodies to do so? From what I've seen, it's, it's for the most part student-based, I guess, student body-led. So for example, I just um, have to kind of get, get an approval when I'm like setting up events, but Claire as an institution haven't really been pushing for anything like that. And I'm not sure if it's because of like, because they don't want to encourage stuff because of a pandemic, so they're not going to put events on themselves, but they've kind of given us full reign to kind of do what, do what we want, so just lift it in our hands. Um, I know that, for example, in October, we are going to be, we are in the works of planning a LGBT plus formal for all colleges to attend that Claire. and I think college are on board with that because we always, ho- we've been hosting it for years anyway. So I'm pretty sure they'd be all right with that. Why do you think it's important to have those kinds of like all college um, LGBT specific events like that? Well, it's because we always will have formals. I mean, formals are something that's a given every week at Clare. That's like just quite normal um, to have. I think, however, especially because whether we like it or not, we are as queer people, we are a minority. And it's not as if every queer person, everyone is queer at Clare or at any college, for example. And 
there for opening up, opening it up to lots of other colleges, not only kind of kind of fosters a sense of community throughout the Cambridge colleges as a whole, but it also makes you realise, makes people realise that there are more pe- queer people and you aren't just constrained by the people in your college and that you can meet new people. And I guess you could say that the queer community at Cambridge isn't like, it shouldn't be just like stratified by a colleges or anything like that it should be something that's universal and I think encouraging and fostering the ideas of like multi-college or more than multi-college events like I know for example they've done stuff in the past at the, at the SOC um, with like Cats and Homerton and Fitz for example. Yeah I think I agree because I think it's especially important for students at smaller colleges so for example Peterhouse that's a tiny college so if it was kind of more stratified by college a lot of queer people there might feel quite uncomfortable perhaps. Uh, and I also think it's really important for like new students to Cambridge because I think it's really important for students to hit the ground running with meeting people that are similar to them. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I think that it makes a lot of sense that you would have that in October as well, so that you give like incoming students a chance to actually connect with other people. Did you was there anything that was put on at the beginning um, of this year or did the pandemic kind of get in the way of that? Well, thankfully, there was because we were in tier one restrictions at the time in October last year. We did have a lot of stuff going on. Um, so we did have, for example, um, in our college bar, we had a queer night, a queer pub quiz, where we kind of got into teams of six. And in our bar, and we were able to meet five other people from college to kind of be in a quiz, a quiz kind of group with. So that was really nice. Um, we also did swaps with other colleges. So I remember Claire did a swap with Trinity Hall and... I think Gerson and it was really nice to meet people from other colleges you know meet other queer people from other colleges so that was really nice and obviously with the second lockdown and then with the third lockdown not a lot happened um it was mostly kind of college-based kind of events college-based kind of online and then um this time for example we've done like a similar pop quiz where we did 30 people outside um just to kind of because I think after months of people being at home kind of re kind of connecting rekindling that sense of community I feel like was especially important yeah have you got yeah. anything kind of particularly special or big planned for pride month now that restrictions are kind of coming to a close so we're kind of discussing kind of plans because we've only kind of got virtual stuff so far in terms of talks um we're trying to do one or two in real life events this month um especially because it's exam season we don't want to host too many events um because we'd feel bad people couldn't come and We've got a, a queer bingo night um, in our college bar next Tuesday, I believe. Um, and I think we'll be doing that. So we have a queer com- um, committee. One kind of encouraged was um, a beer versus cider tasting night where we try different types of beer and cider and see which ones we prefer. That sounds really exciting. Do you want to talk a little bit about you, like why you think it's important to celebrate Pride Month? Um, me, personally, for example, I have struggled with a lot of internalised queer phobia myself. And Pride Month is a way to kind of realise, and I think a lot of my friends have also kind of agreed on the same aspect that it's okay to be queer, it's okay to be queer, it's obviously it's amazing to be queer. Um, because for me, um, I kind of grew up in a very non-accepting environment um, where being straight was just normal and no one was queer. And I think, especially since coming to came and realising that queer people come with different colours, different genders, different forms, from different backgrounds, from different environments, I think it's even more important to celebrate that sort of diversity, especially because, I mean, I've never, I think I've never really met any really, a lot of queer people until coming to university. 
I think now that I know that there are queer people everywhere and that they should be loved and celebrated, I think it's a really important time, really important thing to celebrate this month, especially because, I mean, we've had years of oppression and we've had years of riots to kind of defend our rights. I mean, Stonewall only happened, what, 52 years ago. Um, and although things have changed a lot since then, there's still a lot of change that needs to be done in order to kind of really kind of attain that sense of complete equality. So I think Pride Month is really important to celebrate every single year, and especially for the long-term future, really important. Yeah, I think it is really important, and it's a similar thing here. I feel like until I can feel safe walking down the street at night with my partner, then there's still work to be done. And even beyond that, you know, there's people worldwide who are, we've got it compared to many countries in the UK legally, we're in one of the better countries to be in. But I think there's always a fight to there's always going to be a fight to be had in trying to achieve equal rights worldwide. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if this is maybe similar to your experience, definitely celebrating Pride, especially in a university context, feels particularly important. Like I know even just for me, being at university has helped me kind of like get in touch with or get get kind of become more familiar with my own queerness and get connect with other queer people. And having that like this is a completely new environment. Nobody here knows me like I get to decide exactly who I'm friends with and I get to decide exactly how I present myself to the rest of the world. Um, and that has been a really cool experience for me. I don't know if you've had any kind of similar experience finding um, a queer community um, here. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I think the fact that I was welcomed with open arms in the queer community since the day I got here was something that I guess really was important to me because I never had that sense of community kind of growing up. Um, I never had anyone to look up to and kind of get advice when it comes to queer things. Having that sense of community and have, knowing that there are people who have had similar experiences and have and just want to build a support network is just truly amazing. It's really beautiful. Yeah, I think that mirrors my experience quite closely as well, I think, because I was welcomed really, like, really openly by queer community here. And just the people that did welcome me have taught me to be such a better person since I got here. And I've only been here, what, six months? Yeah, and I think having very clear and comfortable spaces to have those kinds of conversations and to meet people where you can re you can actually genuinely trust that you know you can you can speak openly to them and you can kind of connect through your shared experiences is so so important like there's so many aspects about coming to university that give you that sense of community and give you that chance to connect with people having university also be a place to connect with other queer people is so important I think especially in feeling like some kind of shared strength or some kind of solidarity um, kind of in the context of the larger world. Well, thank you so much for being here. It was really nice to meet you and have you on the podcast. Then we spoke to Inez, another first year student, to hear about how it's felt to grow into her sexuality both before university and since, and the acceptance she has found since coming to Cambridge. I'm Inez. I'm a first year HSBSO at Homerton. So I know you're just a first year, but what has your experience this year? Have you been able to get involved with any kind of like LGBT societies or anything, events, anything like that this year? It's been interesting because obviously um, events have been limited and joining societies have been limited, but I've still gotten the feeling that um, in the LGBT community, there's been a lot going on and where I to seek out wanting to go to the, those events or meeting people within the community that has seemed quite easy to do, um, even through things just like the existence of Queer Bridge um, might seem like a small thing, but actually um, it really shows that the community is there, even though we've all been, you know, distanced and you can't necessarily meet people. Um, so I haven't necessarily seeked out those communities and that's just been a personal choice, um, maybe because I 
find that I already have a very supportive queer community in my college and I've not necessarily had the need to go and, and find societies within that but I've also found that the opportunities are there which is really nice to know. So what's the LGBTQ plus scene like in Homerton at the minute then? Have there been you know events and that kind of thing? Um, so we've got two LGBT offices and obviously events have been limited so um, and not necessarily helped by our college um, management and so we haven't had any events but I would just say the community in general at Homerton is super friendly and really open um, and I think coming to university I was kind of worried about um, how open I was going to be about my sexuality, how that was going to come into play in conversations, whether I would have to come out or would it be a very organic natural thing and I'm really glad that it has been a really organic natural thing. Yeah I've had quite a similar experience I think it was you know from the get-go it was just it wasn't I've never had to consciously think about coming out or justifying myself. Yeah so I think sometimes it's kind of difficult to remember that in the real world outside of the Cambridge bubble people aren't necessarily that accepting and you do sometimes have to come out. It's not as organic a thing. So um, it's obviously, it's lovely to have such a, a nice shielded bubble um, for the three years of university. But I think sometimes I, I kind of force myself to remember that actually sometimes I will have to correct people and just remind them um, that not everyone's straight and that's not necessarily, you know, a given. Um, do you have any thoughts about why having like queer specific or queer affirming spaces in a university or in a college is important? what I found is those spaces are really important not just for those people who have already explored their sexuality but those who are questioning and actually it's been quite amazing coming to uni and seeing all these people who thought they were straight and realizing like actually maybe not and um and I think like having these queer spaces is what allows them to do that or not obviously if, if you're if you're not sure you might feel quite intimidated by those spaces but just fostering that culture in everyday life without having it for it to be a specific queer-oriented space, but just general daily life is completely queer-accepting and queer-affirming, I think has been great to witness. Do you have any advice for people who are kind of coming to terms with or, or still figuring out their sexuality? Oh, um, I'd say make the most of being here because, as I said, it is one of those incredible spaces where you can really be yourself. And I think, obviously, I can't speak for everyone, and I'm sure some people will have had negative experiences from the university or people here, but that hasn't been my experience. Um, and compared to the outside world, that's been really nice. So I think I would say, um, you know, go for it, whatever that means, whether that means talking to your LGBT reps in your college if you feel comfortable doing that or speaking to friends. Um, I think people don't realize how open people are about these topics unless you actually mention it. So you might, that's something that might have not come up ever in your friend group, but actually if you're feeling that, maybe a lot of your friends are feeling that too. So opening up the conversation could really help. Um, and, and then, you know, start exploring your sexuality, whether that's through dating apps or, you know, you can, there's so many things you can do. Um, since obviously this episode is in honor of Pride Month, what does Pride Month mean to you? Why do you think um, celebrating it is important? In general, I think it's it's a way to reaffirm who we are, um, remember those who have come before us. And I think that's really important. Um, you know, whether that, I mean, recently I watched It's a Sin. I was crying. I never cry at TV shows, but kind of remembering what the fight has been like and what the reality of, of being gay has been through through history. And um, actually, I think it's also about being grateful. There's so much that we 
are still struggling with, um, but we've come a long way. And I think it's just a month to be happy. Do you feel that the uh, university and like your college have provided, you know, support that's more specific to the issues that LGBTQ students face? It's difficult because I would say there's a general feeling of acceptance and, and support, but whether that's actually supported by tangible initiatives by the university, I don't know. I would say little things like Raven being um, different flags um, of the LGBT identification during, in February was so nice, especially in the depths of Lantern. Um, but is that actually, you know, the university tackling um, structural issues facing LGBT youth? Um, I think a big thing was colleges taking a really hard stance, some colleges taking a really hard stance of students coming back in Lent. And I think that blatantly disregarded um, the safety of LGBT students. Um, so I think there's still a lot to do. And I think it's also part of the college system where helping LGBT students should probably be centralized and at a college level. At the yeah, I agree. Um, certainly with kind of the central university thing, I know that a lot of students felt really let down uh, because recently, of course, the university published its new reporting system. And then a few weeks later, sent an email saying, no, this is wrong and uh, remove the option to report staff and academics for persistently misgendering people. I know a lot of students felt kind of let down by that. So I'm hoping that, you know, with a bit of pushing from the student body, they can take on more initiatives to support LGBTQ plus youth. Do you have any difficulties in your kind of transition from um, whatever your school environment was like to coming here? Like, has that had changed your relationship with your identity at all in any way? Yeah, so my school was an interesting one. Um, I went to an all-girls school for um, GCSEs in sixth form, and it was religious, but not very. Um, I think there was a general culture of acceptance, but that had its limits. And there was a um, kind of knowledge that the school board was quite homophobic, so was the principal. Um, so I was in a relationship in sixth form and we decided to um, not tell our friends because we were scared it would come up to um, the school board or teachers. Um, so there was definitely, we didn't feel unsafe, but we also didn't feel safe to the extent that we would tell everyone. Looking towards kind of the rest of the month and then next, next year as things open up, are you looking forward to kind of the reopening of the queer Cambridge nightlife in whatever form that will take? Yeah, I can't wait for Glitter Bomb. I've heard so many great things about it. Um, I think it's just going to be really nice to be able to meet all these people who I kind of vaguely know about, um, mainly through Queer Bridge comments, uh, but actually coming together as a community, I think it's going to be lovely. And I'm also looking forward to hopefully being able to provide that support to incoming freshers. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be an LGBT rep, but even in an informal sense, just being there for, for freshers and any other students really who, who might be questioning their sexuality. I think I'm very lucky to have come to terms with it and, and completely accept it and, and love myself for who I am. And so I think I wanna give that back to other people and give that support that I've received um, throughout my year here. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to to club nights, but everything else too. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about uh, Clip Bomb and that kind of thing. Um, with me, I don't know, it's it's odd because it feels like there's quite a close-knit community, but um, as it is, but it's in a way where you've got your group, but everyone seems to be a friend of a friend, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. 
so I think it's going to be really interesting to be able to go out and actually properly meet people outside of Zoom and Instagram. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I also think what you were saying before about being kind of being that kind of positive role model for the incoming freshers is super important. And kind of going back to what we were saying before, even just using like gender neutral pronouns when when they're asking you like who you're interested in, that kind of stuff makes such a big difference coming in as a fresher and and just hearing those things, like even just hearing overhearing conversations and knowing that it's a really normal and accepted and like valid Thing to be experiencing is super important so yeah I'm, I think I'm also looking forward to that yeah yeah I think on the note of role models it's also important sometimes straight students can forget that they have a really big role to play and I think as an LGBT student it can be a little bit overwhelming to be that role model for so many people and so it's important for straight people to also remember that actually you can make a huge difference yeah, definitely agree. No, I think there's there's always that risk that like the emotional labor of um, educating people gets put on the queer students. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think from what I've seen from, uh, you know, a lot of the students that I know, there does seem to be a, quite a good sense of straight allyship within the university, uh, from what I've seen anyway. So that's quite a promising sign, I think. Finally, we chatted with Ollie and heard all about the LGBT plus club night he organized last year and discussed why queer nightlife is so important, especially in a university context. My name's Ollie Miller. I'm a third year at Keys and I study linguistics. Nice. Thank you so much for being here. Do you kind of want to start off by talking about your experience in queer communities in Cambridge and kind of what that has been like? Sure, yeah. So I remember coming to university in first year and I think it's true of a lot of people you kind of have this image of yourself and like how you want to portray yourself and how you want to be seen by other people and I always remember I kind of came into university having been at a school where my friendship group was just like me and a load of girls so that was kind of like what I was used to and that was kind of how I that was what I knew. That was like how I interacted with people, right? And I remember coming to university and kind of sussing out quite quickly that that wasn't really how I wanted to play it out at university. I was quite lucky that in my flat in first year of the six of us, there was one other gay guy in the flat with me. And we're still really good friends now, which is nice. Uh, we still live together. But that was nice because it kind of, I felt like it was a good way to start because I think university can be, you know, quite scary for that. But yeah, quite quickly, I fell into a, a small but perfectly formed group at Keys, I would say. And yeah, we kind of expanded outwards. And I think a lot of that is attributable to queer nightlife, which is something I'm very passionate about. And I think is very important for a lot of reasons. And that, I think, is what is so sad about the last year and a half. Cambridge is, you know, I, there's some statistic floating around on the internet about it being the um, university with the largest proportion of students that identify as LGBTQ+. I think it's like 19% or something. And that was a, that was, a, that's a statistic from a while back, six or seven years ago. So, you know, I would imagine that if anything, it's on the art. And I think, you know, it's quite, it can be quite difficult to find your people and I think that is a really great, great way for a lot of people, myself included, to kind of work that out. 
so I think that was quite instrumental for me. And as I say, I think it's a real shame for the kind of intake for them from the last few years, because I don't think they've necessarily had that opportunity. Yeah, I think it's interesting you say that because I'm a current first year, so I've never had the experience of, you know, queer nightlife. But I do feel as if kind of within first years anyway, I do feel as if the LGBTQ plus community is kind of more close knit than you would expect, given kind of how we haven't really been able to see each other. I think a lot of that just comes down to a lot of us got to know each other before we even came to Cambridge back in the days of enjoying Zoom. But yeah, I'd be really interested to see if that has an effect going forward for our years compared to others. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think like as well, there are kind of dynamics that are established within that that you that just don't exist, right? Otherwise, I mean, obviously, in terms of the queer nightlife that is available in Cambridge, the offering is relatively slim pickings. I mean, you know, there's Glitter Bomb once a week, which is great, but it only kind of offers one sort of thing. And, you know, I don't, you never wish to compare Oxford and Cambridge. I always, you know, it's a bit of a, a dead horse, that one. But, you know, Oxford has an LGBTQ plus bar and that's, you know, that's what it's there. That's what it's there for. That's the point of plush, right? And we have nothing analogous to that, which I think is a real shame. But also, you know, we're very lucky. You know, Glitter Bomb's great. But a friend and I were quite adamant that it the well, the offering isn't really enough. So we last year in Michaelmas, I think it was set. We uh, set up a night that was for like the LGBTQ plus community, like the student community. And the whole point was to platform queer DJs and queer musicians and provide something slightly different. I hesitate to use the word alternative because that's not really the, the, the style of music that we were going for. But it's just kind of, I think, you know, it's important as well to remember that the community itself is not a monolith, right? And there are lots of different people looking for different things. Just because you're queer doesn't mean that you're going to enjoy listening to ABBA on repeat. That's not to say that that's a bad thing. And, you know, it's a real shame because we, it was really successful. We we had a we had a great night. Everyone had a great time. And we had visions of doing it every term. But unfortunately, you know, COVID put the kibosh on that. But, you know, I just hope that the there is still momentum there. Because I think, as I say, I think it's really important for the queer community. I mean, you only have to look to places like, you know, stories like stone wall a lot of these you know a lot of the reason why there is such a vibrant community is thanks to people coming together finding out what they like in that kind of context right and there's just no you know everybody loves to dress up right and there are so many like it's just a you know it's a it's a bait example but I've got so many clothes that I would love to wear but I'm not going to wear them to go and stand in the prep queue do you know what I mean and it's a shame but I think I, as I say, I just hope that there is momentum there that maintains as things start to open up again. Yeah, definitely. No, I know like even between me and my friends, there's like a, a mounting need for a good, a good night out and a good, like a, a, a really good time. And it sounds like the club night that you and your friend organized, that sounds really good. Do you want to like tell us a bit more about how you first got the idea, what organizing it was like, how the sure. final event went. That sounds really fun. Sure. So um, I don't know if you know, but there is a collective in the university called Playtime, which is directed towards platforming like 
non-binary and women DJs, which I think is a great model. And basically when we were in first year, there was another one of these kind of like esoteric nights that was kind of like pitched at the queer community, maybe less directly compared to what we were doing, but they were doing a very similar thing. It was called Avant Gardening. And it was just a really, really great, they had a really great vibe going. And it was, you know, we were sad because the people who were running it were all in third year when we were in first year. So it kind of died a death. We spent a lot of time going to Glitterbomb, basically, my friends and I, and it just got a little monotonous for us. And, you know, it's it's great. As I say, I, I love it. I, I still love it. And I will still be going a lot. But we wanted to do something slightly different. So we just sat down one day and we put through some stuff together and we spoke to the people at Fez. You know, it was actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, it uh, it coincided with me kind of exploring the idea of DJing myself. So it was nice because I was involved uh, in organising it and then was also DJing. And yeah, we uh, got all our friends together basically and advertised it through Facebook. It was called Sweat, which tells you quite a lot about what we were going for, I think. But yeah, I think, you know, basically it came down to us going out or we would have, you know, pre's to go out and we would be listening to a certain type of music, you know, a lot of a lot of hyper pop stuff like Sophie stuff like that and also quite a lot of like dance hall-y stuff like we it's very much not what you're going to get at a lot of the nights out in Cambridge and you know we, we we just spoke to a lot of friends who said you know oh it's it would be great it would be great if and we we had we were also saying it would be great if and then just what they were like well let's do it then and yeah put some feelers out within the community and we collected you know some friends there were five uh, different DJs throughout the night and and they were all um LGBTQ plus DJs that was kind of important that was important to us because that was what we were trying to do told them that w- we would quite like it if you know obviously they can have their creative control over what they want to do but that was what we were trying to platform was kind of like queer music that was kind of hyper pop e or adjacent. And yeah, we just, you know, so the two of us that set it up, Ash, a very good friend of mine from Keys, was on the door, sorted all of that out. And yeah, we put some money into it. We got some money out of it, you know, convinced everyone to dress up. And Fez were great for that kind of thing. They were a very good club to work with because they were very happy to, you know, put all genders signs on the doors to the toilets. And, you know, we made some posters saying, you know, we will not tolerate homophobia, transphobia, racism, sexism, whatever, zero tolerance policy on all of that. And um, yeah, it was, I would say, for us, a raging success. I mean, you know, we weren't expecting, I think we sold uh, 150 tickets or something like that, which was, you know, we were really pleased. As I say, we, we felt like it was gaining momentum. And unfortunately, I, I don't think that you know, what we were trying to do necessarily translated very well into um, anything online, which is a shame, but, you know, it it just was what it was. And I am hoping, I'm hoping to stay for a master's next year, and I'm hoping that I might get an opportunity to give it another go. But yeah, it was, you know, surprisingly not that difficult. 
and was really we we got a lot of support from people around us that we weren't necessarily expecting you know i didn't well, we didn't expect to sell the number of tickets that we did and which i think is a sign that it's testament to the fact that it's something that is needed right it's an important space for queer people and it's important to provide that and if you don't see that being provided then roll your sleeves up and do it yourself you know now that fez has shuffled off this mortal coil have you got any advice for anyone who might want to do something similar at another venue or i think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next few months i don't know much about it what's the, is it called mash now that people have taken it over i mean there's been, yeah. there's been a relatively high turnover in ownership in clubs in cambridge you know cindy's was not officially cindy's since the 60s or something the 60s or the 80s i can't remember it, was, it wasn't cindy's for a very long time but we all still called it cindy's you know it went through various different owners and a lot of the stuff that was going on there stayed going on there. And the same goes for vinyl, you know, call it vinyl, call it life, whatever you want to call it. These places have changed hands quite a lot. And I don't think that necessarily has had that much of an effect on what was going on there. Obviously what's happened over the last year and a half will have had more of an effect than just the changing of hands of ownership of these places. But I think, you know, give it a couple of months and see what happens really but from what I can work out a lot of the places a lot of the venues in Cambridge I mean they're going down in numbers now but definitely you know vinyl and potentially mash are more than up for platforming stuff like that you know because it's just you know it's another night for them to be open it's another night for them to make money and it's a win-win really so if you've got the the drive and you want to do it I'd really just go for it and you know ask people for help people around you are more like if you know anyone that's interested in DJing everyone will want to everyone wants the opportunity to do it because you can sit in your room and do it all you like but once you're doing it in a club it's a completely different and you know people love getting involved like sticking things up on the wall like friends of ours are like oh I want to be on the door I want to be on the door it's really easy and it's fun like it's definitely something that I think people should do if they want to do it. Definitely, definitely. It's surprising that there's no, like, that there isn't an actual LGBTQ plus bar or club or anything. Like, you would think in a student city that would be really high up on the list. Like, do you have any sense, since you're a third year, I mean, I don't know if you'll have any uh, insight into this, but like, is there a lack of demand? I can't imagine there being a lack of demand for it, but what is it, what is it about Cambridge nightlife culture that hasn't let that happen yet? It's a very good question. I think, I don't think it's down to a lack of demand. Well, there was a place that was a little bit further out of town. It wasn't slap bang in the centre that was a queer space. I think it was a bar slash club, but it wasn't frequented by much of the student body as far as I was aware. Um, You know, that no one really talked about it. I couldn't even tell you what it was called and I'm pretty sure it's gone now. That's a bit of a shame that that, you know, wasn't supported. I mean, there is the Blue Moon is a queer pub, but it's not the same thing, you know. I really don't know why. I think it's a very good question that you ask, and I would personally like to know the answer. But also, I wonder whether it's also symptomatic of the fact that there are barely any clubs full stop. You know, we went from four, three, down to, you know, two. And that's a real shame. And I think a lot of that is, you know, to do with rent in town. And you know, I don't really know what to say. I think it is a real shame. And it is something that I think would be extremely beneficial. And you know, as I say, 
Cambridge having, you know, 19% presumably plus now of the student body identifying as LGBTQ plus, you'd think there'd be space for it. Uh, and you'd think there'd be demand for it. And yet here we are. But, you know, as I say, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the for the future. And I think that, yeah, I think the next few months will be very interesting. Do you have any kind of thoughts about why it's important to have those kinds of spaces and like why that might be something that would benefit the university community? Totally. I mean, there are a few, there are a multitude of factors in my opinion. I mean, number one, I think it's really great to establish some sort of wider community. You know, I have a very close-knit group of friends of, there are about six of us, but I could go out to Glitterbomb and I wouldn't have to go with my friends because I would know 90% of the people in there and you just have a great time. You can go on your own, which I think is really rare. I think going out on your own and, 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 and knowing that you will be in a safe space with people, you know, if anything were to go wrong, you would be absolutely fine. I think that's really important. Establishing a proper kind of community vibe, I think is really important. And also I think a lot of people get to use that opportunity to find out a lot about what they like. I think whether that's how you dress, or what music you're into, or the types of people you want to be around. I think it's a great opportunity, and and also, you know, to experiment in terms of, you know, like, meeting people and working out what you like, kind of romantically or sexually, whatever. I think that's also something that is so important. And the stakes are so much higher if you don't have things like that. You know, as I say, I think in terms of what you're wearing, I think, I think being able to express yourself in a way that you think is fun and exciting, but also in a space where you feel comfortable and you know that you, you know, you can you can be your authentic self, I think is really important. And yeah, just finding your people. I mean, I hesitate to wonder like what my life would look like had I not had that opportunity at university. And I think, yeah, it's really important for the community as a whole. If you want to establish some sort of community, then it's it's really fundamental as, for for the LGBTQ plus community. In- Do you know if any of the clubs in Cambridge are planning anything special for Pride? Or great question. I don't know. I do know that there is a glitter bomb event that's in like Kent, which is a bit of a trek, obviously. But because uh, glitter bomb's based in Canterbury, I believe, so they just have an offshoot in Cambridge. So that's going on, which is fun. And it's kind of like um, outdoorsy, which is great. I mean, I don't really, I haven't really heard anything other than that though, really. I think it's difficult because outdoor space is, you know, key and there isn't a lot of that going on in, in the center of Cambridge really, which is a shame. But yeah, I haven't really heard much in terms of organized events. Speaking of Pride, since that's the kind of theme of this episode, why do you think celebrating Pride is important? And you can kind of take this from like a personal perspective or a more general perspective, whatever you want to go with. Celebrating Pride, I think is really important. Obviously, I think that goes without saying. Why do I think it's important? Well, I think, first of all, I think visibility is really important. And I think a lot of people find it very difficult to come to terms with their sexuality or their gender or things like that. And I think having these kind of bastions of visibility, be it a month in the year or an establishment like kind of for nightlife is really important. I think being able to see what you could be or or what you are is really important. And I think, you know, it helps people be more comfortable in who they are 
and also have aspiration, have high aspirations for their future. If you can see it, you can, someone said once, I can't remember who it was, if you can see it, then you can be it, right? And for that reason, I think it's really important. And I think also, you know, being in comfortable space, you know, I'm extremely lucky in that my sister is also queer and there's just the two of us in the house and my parents are extremely supportive. And I think I would have a much harder time if I wasn't in such an accepting environment and, you know, we weren't all prideful, if you will, all the time. I think I'm extremely lucky in that I get to be who I am, which is such a kind of corny phrase, but, you know, the sentiment remains. I get to be who I am wherever I am, be it at home, be it at university. And I think a lot of that is due to, A, my sense of self and the pride that I have in myself, and B, the kind of pride around us, right? The pride within the community. And yeah, in terms of having a support network that, that backs you up in that regard, I think it's really important. And I'm extremely thankful, you know, I'm extremely grateful that we go to a university that does have such a large percentage of people who identify as queer. And that affords me a lot of freedom and a great friendship group. And I've learned so much about myself thanks to, you know, surrounding myself with like-minded people who have had to go through a lot of difficult struggles, you know, a lot worse than me as a cis gay white man, you know, it could be a lot worse. And I think that's really inspiring. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. Yeah, no, I think basically everything that you said, visibility is such a big piece, especially, I think, especially coming out of the past kind of like year and a half, that's gonna be really important. Like even for me, you know, going forward, I'm really looking forward to things like Litter Bomb and, and having those kinds of opportunities to meet more people because in general, I haven't met a lot of people. And then even more specifically, I haven't met a lot of queer people. And so having a space and a time to actually see people and be seen and have that as an experience is something I'm really looking forward to. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And I would also just, act, if I could just add quickly, um, I think what I really, one of the things I really love about Cambridge as a city is a lot of people are very visibly queer in the center of town. And I think that is, that fills me with joy. I, it, it makes me really happy, like seeing other people being like authentic, being like their authentic queer selves. I think that's like really great and really inspiring as well. And I think it's a testament to the community in, in Cambridge that there are so many, you know, proud and interesting people who uh, get the opportunity to come to this university, do what they love, be it academic or not, and makes me really happy personally, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, Ollie, thank you so much for being here. It was really lovely getting to meet you and speak to you. Thank and you very much for having me. Fingers crossed for your master's and another, <laughs> another sweat night next year. Indeed, indeed. Everything's crossed. Yes. <laughs> That's all for episode five. It was so lovely hearing from all of the interviewees about their positive experiences in Cambridge and all the ways that they and others are contributing to the affirming and welcoming ever-growing community in the university and the greater town. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed hosting it. Happy Pride, and we'll see you next week.